Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, friends and listeners, and thank you for joining me, Pastor Visser, for the second part into our look into the seventh Ode of Solomon. Now, this will be the concluding message because we're dealing only with the seventh Ode as it appears within the Gnostic book, Odes of Solomon. Now, in all fairness, I do want to point out before we begin this study that the book Odes of Solomon was most likely penned by second-generation Christians, and as a result of their adherence to Yahweh's law and their knowledge of the teachings of Solomon, they attempted to pin together and piece together, that is, Jesus Christ as our Redeemer. Now, it is quite interesting that Yahshua Messiah says at the beginning of the book of Revelation, I am the root and the offspring of David. Well, not only does that prove that Jesus Christ is God, being the root, but he's also the offspring of David, meaning that he descended through the Davidic line, as did Solomon, who is David's son. So without further ado, let's begin our study, Father of Knowledge, Part 2. And we left off in verse 14, where Solomon or at least what is attributed to wise King Solomon, says, He, Yahweh God, hath given him to be seen of them that are his, in order that they might recognize him that made them, and that they might not suppose that they came of themselves. Meaning, that many people out there are self-willed, and they believe that everything is circumstance. They cannot see Yahweh God, but the Apostle Paul teaches quite similar to exactly what's being said here. That is, that each and every one of the sons and daughters of Yahweh God can see Yahweh God and understand. Or the things of creation are clearly seen and understood. And then we begin in verse 15 where he says, For. Now during the course of this concluding study, I want you to pay attention to this. Because four will appear about four or five times. And for is a polite way of saying because. Being that these are stylistic odes, they are what we would consider rhythmatic teaching. Solomon will set up the cause and then give the effect. So in verse 15 he says for. Or because. Because of all of this that was discussed in verse 14. For knowledge he hath appointed as its way. He hath widened it and extended it, and brought to all perfection. Because of what? Because of the knowledge and the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ. Because he says in the verse above, 
he hath given him to be seen of them that are his. Who? Well, Yahweh has given us Christ, the kinsman redeemer, to be seen of those that are his. And so it stands, Jesus Christ taught, my sheep hear my voice, they will follow. He never truly tried to convert the masses. Rather, he would preach in a manner that was understood by the sheep and seen as pure craziness to the masses, to the unbelieving hordes, to those that will perish. So, knowledge he has appointed as its way. He's widened it and extended it. And that's the point, is it not? That Yahweh God extends knowledge to each and every one of his sons and daughters. But yet there's a thousand and one distractions down here in rebuilt Babylon. Whether we have a job or whether we have hobbies, seemingly, most of us spend more time doing other things than studying the Word of God. It's just a dismal fact, and most of us go through life believing that, well, somehow or another, we're going to stand at the great white throne judgment of Yahweh God, and He's not going to say, hey, you spent a majority of your life watching television or playing worthless sports. Those are just some examples. But wisdom is something that Yahweh God extends to you and I, to His sons and daughters, through obedience. And if we will latch on to wisdom, we will be no different than wise King David who instructed in his Psalms that he was wiser than all of his instructors because he inclined his heart to know the law, the law of God. And so it stands. We live in a rebuilt Babylon, unfortunately, that has slipped so far into apostasy. I've preached countless sermons on the subject, but in short, we live in a rebuilt kingdom of confusion where men and women go to the movies and they watch sitcoms played by what we consider to be actors. Albeit, 300 years ago, during the times of Shakespeare, actor, there was no such word. Rather, they were called hypocrites. And men and women would go and they would see a production or a play of Taming of the Shrew, for example, and they would say, my, those were mighty good hypocrites. I bring that up because we live in a world where we go and we pay to be deceived. And we elevate it up. We call it art. We award it with Academy Awards. And yet, when you bring this fact up to people, they'll say, oh no, I'm not deceived. But yet, that's the entire goal of the media. Wisdom, however, will filter through that. And that's extended to you of Yahweh God, dear kinsfolk. He's widened it, extended it, and brought to all perfection. Now, when the Apostle Paul commands us to be perfect, or at least go after the pattern that Yahweh God in flesh form laid down, well, you should see here that it is no different, that he's brought it to all perfection. What? Knowledge. And that's exactly the context of this sermon, Father of Knowledge. If you want to know true wisdom, you must know Yahweh God. That's common sense. But millions of people out there in the institutions and especially in the colleges fancy themselves to be secularists. And they have no desire to please any form of God, much less Yahweh. And it would not even matter if they served Yahweh God because you cannot enter the kingdom except through Jesus Christ. 
Now, that is what our sacred script in the form of the King James Version says. Christ himself says, you cannot enter into the kingdom unless you are one of his. Verse 16 in Ode 7. And set over it, over what? Over knowledge. And set over it the traces of his light. And I walk therein from the beginning even unto the end. Interesting statement, is it not? Because if we were to attribute this book, Odes of Solomon, to Solomon of the Old Testament, David's son, then we know that he walked and actually angered Yahweh God at one point for serving other gods and taking wives from among the foreign nations. But here, we're instructed that Solomon walked in the traces of his light, or in those vestiges of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge, for lack of a better term, from the beginning until the end. What this means, of course, is that even though we will stumble in life and fall oftentimes, that does not disannul the fact that we are judged according to our hearts or our inclination. Remember, we began the study in the first part on the impulse of anger and the impulse of joy. The two inclinations of man. The desire to do righteousness and the desire to basically serve the world and be part of the world. And people who are part of the world seemingly ramble for hours and hours and hours about pointless things that do not matter, whether it's politics or television or what the enemy's doing that particular moment. They can't get around to preaching this word of God. Remember that knowledge, through seeking knowledge, we are seeking the choices of Yahweh's light. Very important. Jesus Christ said, I am the light of the world. The way to seek Christ or Yahshua Messiah is through his word. And for knowledge, he hath appointed in his way. Why? Because he's given Christ to be seen of them that are his. Do you belong? To Jesus Christ, Yahshua Messiah. And I ask that, of course, in all humility, because many people do believe that they are serving the Christ of the Bible. And, for example, they'll come in and they'll say, I distrust Paul. Yet we've already proven several times in this two-part study that Paul confirms at least the thought of the early church and wrote 80 to at least 90% of the New Testament if we attribute Luke to that. And you're going to see it's no different. For example, the very next verse. For, once again, because, because God has set over knowledge the traces of his light. Meaning that if we seek wisdom, if we study out all things and use the discernment that he's given us, we can know him and seek his face. Verse 17. For by him it was wrought. Stopping right there. If you want to have knowledge, common sense would dictate that you go to the father of knowledge to obtain that. The one who created knowledge itself. We don't go to a secular college. We're not taught atheism. We're taught from the word of God and these Gnostic and apocryphal books. We're not taught from what man comes along and says is wise. Because what man is saying is wise now will be foolish 10 years from now. And it was no different in the 90s, no different in the 80s. And in my life, I have seen every single generation make the same mistake of trusting in politicians who all lie, but Yahweh God does not. 
Paul says, let God be true, Yahweh. Every man be a liar. And we see in Rebuilt Babylon that that is apparent. For by him it was wrought. If you want to find those traces of his light, go to the Creator, the Father of all knowledge. Now, verse 17 in its entirety. For by him knowledge was wrought. And he was resting in the sun. And for its salvation he will take hold of everything. And the Most High shall be known in his saints. Stopping right there. Now, you've heard me preach before that when the law was given to the Old Testament Israelites, it was left open. It wasn't the be-all, end-all, that is, the completion for sin atonement. That way God knew and dwelt within the Son. Here, in the Odes of Solomon, Ode 7, we're told, Yahweh God was resting in the Son, not vice versa. So when we read in our Gospel according to St. John, for example, and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, you should see that those three are one. And Jesus Christ taught no different. All things must be complete or one, because one is perfect. But here is the terminology. The Most High, Yahweh God, shall be known in His saints. So who are the saints exactly? For example, if you go to your theology professor and you ask him, who are the saints? He's going to give you a bunch of different examples. And less than two minutes ago, I alluded to St. John. Because it's accepted in Christendom that those who pen the New Testament are all considered to be saints. However, I believe that the Apostle Paul provides those answers as to who the saints are. Almost every single epistle that is attributed to Paul in the New Testament, he begins them by saying the Israelites are the saints. Examples of this are found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1, Romans chapter 1 verse 7, Philippians chapter 1 verse 1, Colossians chapter 1 verse 2, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1. And there's many more. But I wanted to digress here because I want you to understand that the saints are Israelites. According to that same book of Revelation that I referenced earlier, Yeshua Messiah returns with the saints and his garment is dipped in the blood of the saints. So we can safely deduct that saints are all Israelites and most of them have been martyred or they have died for their belief throughout time. What is the most vilified form of Christendom that is the most smeared and slandered? Well, think about it. For by him knowledge was wrought, and he was resting in the sun, and for its salvation he will take hold of everything. And the Most High shall be known in his saints to announce to those that have songs in the coming of Yahweh. Now, do not neglect the power of music. Even though many instruments are attributed to Tubal Cain, that is, in their creation, even though Lucifer, when he was originally created, had harps indwelled within him, music is extremely important. How can I say that? 
Well, Ode 7, right here in the Odes of Solomon, is considered to be a metric song. Proverbs are considered to be songs, and David's psalms, most assuredly, are to be set to music, instrument. Here in this latter rebuilt Babylon, the enemy knows this. And like all forms of art, there is good and there is a counterfeit version of that. Through the power of music, the enemy has been able to degrade Western civilization. That's an undeniable fact. Through the rhythmic pulses and basically wavelengths, which are taught at length within the scripture. Be careful how you hear, for example. But the enemy knows that they can come along and most assuredly now in this latter era through rhythmic R&B and hip-hop mesmerize, that is, hypnotize an entire generation. But the saints are those that have songs of the coming of Yahweh God or the Lord. We have them within our hands in the form of the codified word and we have them within our minds. That is, we have the impulse of joy or righteous inclination. And as a result, we sing praises to our Heavenly Father. We make sacrifices to Yahweh God. But what else about the saints? Verse 19 of Ode 7. That they may go forth to meet him. Stopping right there. This is no different than what is taught within the King James Version of the Bible. There is no rapture. There is no cowardly God who's going to come in and rapture away his saints and leave the rest of the world to the evil. However, if that were to be, it would be within a split second. It would be at that very moment when every knee bows. Because those rudiments that are destroyed, those things that are perversions or bastardizations of Yahweh's original creation will be burned up. And they are burned up with the brightness of his coming. What is that? Light. Remember verse 16, right here in Ode 7. He said, over knowledge, the traces of his light. The foolish are incinerated by true wisdom. And Solomon taught no different. In fact, I taught this about a month ago in the strange woman sermon that I did. How the fool says that they despise instruction and they don't know. They're like a bird going into a snare or a trap and that's exactly how it is for the foolish but that's a side note they may go forth to meet him and may sing to him with joy and with the harp of many tones now what's interesting about this is around the temple of Yahweh God there is always a form of music there are cherubim and seraphim that glorify Yahweh God continually in fact I've proven in my Morning Star sermons that that was what the angels or the Morning Stars were created for. To glorify him through music and through the most important instrument of all. What do you think that is, dear Kinsfeld? It is the voice. And through the voice and through oration, through preaching and sound doctrine, the saints are able to increase faith within the sheep of Yahweh God. How can I say that? Faith comes by hearing. They that go forth to meet him and they that sing to him with joy, 
they are also the saints. They are they who overcame the world. They had the patience to endure until the end, according to Revelation in Jude. For example, notice verse 20. The seers shall come before him, and they shall be seen before him. Interesting, is it not? Because seer is a polite way of saying a prophet or a pastor or a preacher. And oftentimes within this job, we have the idea that Yahweh God doesn't know what we preach. But yet, every word, every idle thought, he's going to bring to remembrance and judge us according to. Judgment begins at the house of Yahweh God, that is, with the seers. That is why it is imperative for the Israelite men and women to support the prophets, the preachers, and the seers. They risk a greater damnation if what they preach is not true, if it's not sound. And here we're told in Ode 7, verse 20, the seers shall come before Yahweh and be seen before him. Now, this is Judgment Day, the great and terrible day of Yahweh God. What do the saints do? Verse 21. They shall praise Yahweh for his love, because he is near and beholdeth. Now, very important key here. We know God is love. Yahweh God is love. Overall and overallist, that is what he is. That is not to say that he is not hateful. He is not jealous. In fact, I've preached on this before, how Yahweh God was jealous over Israel with a godly jealousy in the Old Testament. And how also he hated Esau, in contrast to loving Jacob in both the Old and New Testament. But overall, God is love. And the decisions he's made are made and dictated to us through love. For example, the Redeemer. For God so loved the world, correct? That he gives his only begotten son, John 3.16, you know the verse. But here it's apropos, is it not? Yahweh God is love. Pay close attention. Because the contrast and the opposite of love is given in the next verse. Ode 7, verse 22. And hatred shall be taken from the earth, and along with jealousy it shall be drowned. Did you hear what was said? Hatred and jealousy will be removed. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. But yet in our Bible, we're told Yahweh God can be hateful. Yahweh God can be jealous, are we not? But yet those parts of him 
are removed. This is why scripture says, go nowhere with an angry man, because he will bring you down. What I want you to understand is the key to this is given again in the next verse. Remember how I told you in these odes, when he says for, you could replace that word for with because. In the verse preceding, verse 22, they, the saints, shall praise Yahweh for his love, not because he's spiteful, not because he had already destroyed the rudiments at this point, because he is near and beholdeth. Behold what? All deeds. That's why the seers are before him and the Israelites being the saints. And hatred shall be taken from the earth, and along with jealousy it shall be drowned. For, or because, ignorance has been destroyed. Stopping right there. What can we deduct from verse 22 and verse 23? That those men and women who walk around solely in a state of hatred, or solely in a state of jealousy, are ignorant. So that old adage is true, is it not? There is a time and a place for everything. There's even a time for jealousy. For example, Paul was jealous with a godly jealousy. And we're commanded by Yahshua Messiah to hate the evil, are we not? So those are two specific times where hatred and jealousy will enter into our psyche or the fabric of our being. However, God is love, correct? So God is mostly all love. And he is the closest we as men and women can come to love. By that I mean, if you want to be married, put God in the forefront. Then you'll know love. Otherwise, you're just two people shacking up. Marriage is a Christian concept. And that's been defiled in the last three months. And it's only just begun. Hatred shall be taken from among the earth. That hatred of your own people, for example, would fit right here. It's applicable. And jealousy as well. Now, before we continue, I do want to point out, as I stated, there is a time and a place. You should be jealous over your spouse. You should have hatred for those wicked people that want to, for example, pollute your children's mind in the public school sector or even in the colleges. But ignorance, when it is destroyed, hatred and jealousy are drowned. They are taken from the face of the earth. And with it, those rudiments, those men and women who are 95% hatred and 5% love, or 95% jealousy and 5% love. So don't be like that. Be mostly love. Why? Because if we are mostly love, as Yahweh God is, then the decisions that we make and our worldview will reflect that. Every single decision, again, Yahweh God made, was made in love. So thank him for that. Praise him for that. Because if he did not love, we would have all been consumed. Verse 24 in Ode 7, in the Odes of Solomon. They who make song shall sing the grace of Yahweh the Most High. That's a commandment. And that's how Yahweh God commanded it in our Bible. Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Music is supposed to glorify Yahweh God, but is that what we hear today in popular modern music? No, it is not. In fact, one of the oldest surviving sermons that I've ever preached was titled Contemporary Christian Music. And I'm quite proud of it, actually, albeit it is quite amateurish. But as a sermon, I point out that we are to discern the spirits behind music. 
Music most assuredly does have a spirit. It has a wavelength and a rhythm. It has the power to depress. It has the power to upbraid or uplift. That is perhaps the reason why, in my humble opinion, there is music around the throne of Yahweh God and the cherubims and the seraphims, the ophanim and the thronos were created to glorify God through music and with instruments. But they who make songs shall sing the grace of the Most High. Again, everything else is vanity and Solomon taught no different in the book of Ecclesiastes. All is vanity unless you do it for the advancement of the kingdom. Everything. Sitting in front of your television, wasting your life. That's vanity. Working hard to get advancement within life and jobs, but yet never being satiated because it's never enough. That also is vanity. But one thing that is not vain is suffering for righteousness' sake, being a martyr, being a preacher, glorifying Yahweh God, or making music as wise King David did and writing music. That glorifies God. Now that's a side point. Because the context of what's being said here is they who make songs shall sing the grace of the Lord Most High. This is post six trump, six seal. This is the judgment of Yahweh God. Those rudiments are destroyed and in judgment, those who are judged and found fit for the kingdom, they're those who make songs that glorify God. They're those who didn't waste their life glorifying sin. Next verse, verse 25. And they shall bring their songs, and their heart shall be like the day, and like the excellent beauty of Yahweh, their pleasant song. And there shall neither be anything that breathes without knowledge, nor any that is dumb. Stopping right there. Understand that the author of Ode 7 is setting it up again for another cause and effect statement. And there shall neither be anything that breathes without knowledge in judgment. This is the point where Christ tells those foolish goats on his left hand side, depart from me, I never knew you. But yet this point, in the kingdom and at that great white throne, there's nothing that breathes without knowledge. Two keys. Why would we breathe if we're all in our spiritual bodies? Well, the answer for that is provided in the Lord's Prayer. But numerous other places in the Bible, world without end, amen. And that's what the war is for, the kingdom itself, and the kingdom age to be ushered in. Now, nothing will stand before Yahweh God that breathes without any knowledge. This is a futurist event, and it was so when it was penned then, and it is so now when we're covering it in September of 2015. So, point one, they that stand before Yahweh God, the saints, breathe within the kingdom. And nothing will stand before Yahweh God and breathe or have a life, eternal life, without knowledge, nor any that is dumb. Now, this term dumb here, of course, is the King's English terminology of dumb. It means somebody who is mute, who does not possess the ability to speak. How can I say that? Next verse. Verse 27. For he, Yahweh God, hath given a mouth to his creation to open the voice of the mouth towards him to praise him. What's your mouth for? It is to sing praises to Yahweh God, to speak and to witness of the glorious things that he has done for you. It is not to cut down your fellow man, 
It is not to invent motion pictures or music that take away from the glory of Yahweh God. Do you understand how far removed we are into rebuilt Babylon? I briefly touched upon that at the beginning of the study. We live in an era where hypocrites are rewarded. They call them actors. But people will fight tooth and nail after seeing a motion picture to prove that there is no agenda there. It's just entertainment. Perhaps you know that the word muse in the King's English means to think. However, to amuse or amuse means not to think. And yet we live in an era now where most people do not think. They are dumb. And they don't speak out. They're deaf, dumb, and blind. And Yahweh God willed it as such. So understand that whoso Yahweh God loves, so also will he chastise. And so it stands. There are many men and women down here that will walk through this life with you. And no matter how many times they kick against the pricks and they make the same mistakes over and over and over, they're considered dumb. They're fools in the eyes of Yahweh God. They're dumb not because they are foolish, because they don't worship the Father of Knowledge. They're dumb because they weren't given the mouth from Yahweh God. Do you understand what's being said? When men and women curse you, it's because they weren't given a mouth of Yahweh God, a mouth that will upbraid or praise. It's because they are of the world. They are fleshly. They are from beneath, as Jesus Christ taught. And as a result, they only understand this world. In fact, that all-seeing eye, that boob tube, that one-eyed television that a majority of Israelites have within their house is a god and an idol to most people. Irregardless of their age, they are so foolish they cannot look back 10 years ago and see that through the media, partially, it has led to where we are today. And through the media agenda in the 60s and their promotion of drugs, it led to the disco era of the 70s, which of course led to a decade of excess that led into the 80s, which was spend thrift and have a career and spend as much money as you can. Bye, bye, bye. But not so in the 90s, because the 80s were a mistake, you see. In the 90s, it was save, scrimp and save and prepare. But what about the 2000s? What about the 2015s? It's all just a blur, is it not? But every successive generation should be able to build upon the mistakes of the past, not deny them. And that's where we're at in Rebuild Babylon. We, as men and women, may be able to praise an actor like Tom Hanks and say, oh, he played a sodomite. Let's give him an Academy Award. Let's reward him. But yet we should chastise him, according to the word of God, if we're given a mouth from him. Why? Because Yahweh God's going to chastise him at this event, the great and terrible day of Yahweh. And not only that, He's already chastised them within the Old and the New Testament, particular people that fall within those classes, hypocrites, sodomites, lesbians, etc. There shall neither be anything that breathes without knowledge within the kingdom. You can pervert the concept of love, which is perverting the concept of God himself. And that's what we've seen in the last four months especially with these people who come in and they say, 
well, God accepts them, let's marry them. When, <laughs> Ironically, marriage is a Christian concept. And the same people crying and complaining for their quote-unquote gay marriage are the ones who say they want a separation of church and state. They're dumb. They're foolish. They may breathe. They may have life. But Christ also taught many people they've already received their reward. Meaning they don't have a reward in the world to come because they didn't fight for the kingdom. And in short, we could sum it up by saying they didn't have a mouth of Yahweh God because they weren't given a mouth. But yet verse 27, we're told, because there will be no fools within the kingdom. There will be no one who does not speak out for righteousness sake. He's given a mouth to his creation to open the voice of the mouth towards him to praise him. Final verse, verse 28. Confess ye his power and show forth his grace. Hallelujah, or hallelujah, meaning praise be to Yahweh God. But stop there and reflect for a moment. And also reflect on how similar this is to a psalm of David. That is, these odes of Solomon. And we will most likely, in the future, do more studies into the odes of Solomon. But rest assured, we will most assuredly be focusing more so for the rest of the year. And likely a majority of next year, 2016, should the Lord tarry into looking into these lesser-known books considered to be pseudepigraphal or apocryphal. Some are false, some are historical. None of them are considered canon. But I ask you as my listener to consider what does canon mean? Now, I personally believe that in our codified word, in the form of the 66 books as we hold it today, there is much power. And Yahweh God, being the father of knowledge, knows that these books are sufficient. We know the deeper truths because we worship the father of knowledge. We seek after him. And we prove from today's concluding message that the saints that do that will be able to be wise. Nothing foolish within the kingdom. But these books, these 66 books in the form of the King James Version, are sufficient. There is power within it. You could take a child, put him on a desert island with nothing but a Bible, and he could teach himself to read, and he could teach himself everything he needs to know about the Passover without the meddling of man coming in and interjecting their dogmas. So, point one, there is power within the Word of God. However, point two is this, that there is more power outside the Word of God because just because man comes in at the Council of Nicaea and say, I like this book, I don't like this book. Just because Martin Luther says, I don't like Esther, I don't like Revelation, I don't like Jude, is to no avail to us. Or at least it shouldn't be. So the Council of Nicaea was a bad thing. It was a negative thing. But like all things, our Father of Knowledge, Yahweh God, is able to turn bad to good. Romans 8.28 to those that are called according to his purpose. And so we possess within our hands more books. The powerful Bible in the form of the authorized word. The even more powerful, uncanonized, unpolluted, and unperverted Gnostic text. 
Now in time, we're gonna get into the pseudepigrapha and many false writings for the purpose of increasing the faith that we have in these. So many people ask me, Pastor Visser, how can we know? You tell us to use discernment, but in reading books like the books of Adam and Eve or the secrets of Enoch, or even the book of Maccabees, how can we know which of these books are legit and which ones are bogus? My answer is, much like I said in my sermon on music from 1998, and that is, try the spirits. One will testify, and it will align 90% with the King James Version. Another will be 90% contrary to the King James Version. And in that, you know which books actually upbraid what do we have, the authorized Bible, and which books should have been tossed out. Our books from Genesis to Revelation count out at least 10 books that are lost, the Book of the War of the Lords. And some of them have been found in latter generations. Don't allow a man to come in and tell you, hey, that's not canon. Because even if you don't accept it as dogma or doctrine, like you should the authorized Bible, it gives you a glimpse of the worldview at the time. And we see from the Odes of Solomon that many of the statements that were made align exactly with what Christ taught and with what Paul taught. And that is why many theologians attribute the Odes of Solomon to second-generation Christians who are trying to tie together their familiarity with God's law and the writings of Solomon and David with their newfound Redeemer and he who had fulfilled that same exact law and the prophets. Christ taught no different. He fulfilled the law and the prophets, not man. Man can't come in and say, you know what, the law is done away with and teach other men to do so without being considered least within the kingdom. Christ fulfilled it. But the key word is fulfill. What does that mean? The foolish man, the atheist, he without a mouth from Yahweh God is going to come in and say, well, nothing matters. It's all coincidence. It doesn't matter how you live. Simply not the case, dear kinsfolk. In Ode 7, if you want to be given a mouth by the father of knowledge, then incline to the impulse of joy. That in a nutshell is the entire teaching of the seventh ode of Solomon. Praise his holy name and seek his face. That father of knowledge who created the word of knowledge. Remember in verse 9, if you understand that knowledge is found within the word, and the knowledge that you find is created by the father of knowledge, then only a fool is going to spend his life reading comic books and spend his life reading pointless fiction that in a hundred years from now will be forgotten. Hell, in ten years from now, it's going to be politically incorrect, as is the case with Peter Rabbit, <laughs> The Lord of the Rings, and numerous other books. That may be a side study. But thank you for joining me. I would like to thank each and every one of you who have emailed me. I am feeling a little bit better, although you may be able to hear within my voice that I am getting over a sickness. Because I live kosher, I rarely get sick. 
But if you want to know what happened to yours truly, listen to my sermon, Evil Dung, Part 1 and 2. They will explain that. And also, I would like to thank the few people who have sent ties of support to this ministry. That ensures that Covenant People's Ministry and Church will have a web presence into the future because there is a cost associated with running a web page and running a forum. And also, we'll ensure that many more studies will continue into the future. We live in rebuilt Babylon. As it is, it is as it was in the times of Lot. It was as it is in the times of Noah. In fact, I could probably argue that we live worse now than it was when Noah's enemy was mocking him through disbelief. And Lot's enemy was saying, bring that man out here that we may know him as well. Let's sodomize him, for lack of a better term. More on that in the future. Thank you for joining me, and I hope that this two-part study has edified you. Until next time, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia, in the beautiful heart of the dirty South, wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry! Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Vicer's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website, or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings, and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages, and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.